Growing up, my father and I were very, very close, but we also had our spats and our tiffs, and there was definitely a time where I felt like I didn't love him, and then he changed. My dad and I had a kind of a tough relationship. He was in the Marines and having four boys. He had very high expectations, and um, he kind of ran our home and our family as if, uh, you know, we were in the core. And um, not to go into detail just too much because my dad has changed tremendously since that time, but uh, there was definitely a time, I would say around junior high and high school, that we had a very hard relationship. And I remember one time I had told him straight to his face, a very angsty, problematic, emotional, but happy girl, um, just trying to figure life out. And I was really upset with him. And I remember telling him to his face that I hated him. Uh, at that age, these were very strong words. And I know that that wounded him to his core. And that was kind of the whole point was that I remember I just wanted him to be different, to stop, to be the father that we all need and want. And uh, thankfully, he responded in a way that was very humble and meek and repentant um, and following the gospel and what we're taught in the gospel. You know, I've always felt that people can't change. It's very hard for people to change that, you know, they get stuck in their ways. And here was my dad several times throughout his life showing me the process of humility and strength, uh, mercy and forgiveness and uh, the desire to do better and to be better out of his great love for his family. And that is the greatest example I have had in learning to reflect on oneself and have the humility to make the changes that are necessary, um, you know, to put your family first, to put God first, and to have a desire to please the Lord, to please Heavenly Father, and to make these changes and to make a difference. And thank goodness he did. It was just in time. Um, I remember, I think it was around when I was 16 years old, and our relationship changed. And it changed because my dad had changed. And uh, it was during those very important, pivotal years that we had a very strong relationship. And I needed that because I was out doing a lot of crazy stuff. And um, I was lying to my parents and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And um, I was grateful for that personal close relationship I had with my father and the true blue guidance and advice that he had given me, the counsel. He was always very straightforward because my dad being a convert knows exactly what it's like to be out in the world to uh, do things that are of Babylon, he would say. Uh, you know, getting into drinking and smoking and other things that we're not supposed to do and is not correct in the sight of the Lord. And he always helped me to figure out how to get back on that straight and narrow path. And it took me quite some time, but he was very persistent and I love him for it. Um, because my dad and I had a tough relationship during some very important years through, you know, late elementary, junior high school, I had a wonderful bishop at the time who I could go talk to 
and he would make time for me every week to go into his office and I could be really open with him about my situation at home, the things that I was going through and seeking guidance and counsel. And most of all, I needed that love and that mentoring that comes from an adult male that you can trust that loves God, that loves the gospel of Jesus Christ, is found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and he just did the best he could with me, and he was very spiritual, he was very open about uh, talking about the gospel and how we utilize the gospel to overcome some of these difficulties that we have in, in families, because let's face it, we do run into issues in our families and I remember that there was an apostle one time that said that you know it's our families who teach us to be Christ-like it's part of this perfect plan of happiness and salvation that we've been given by our loving Savior and Redeemer Jesus Christ and our loving Heavenly Father um, so welcome everybody this is Stephanie Colvin and I'm your host I appreciate you tuning in this is LDS real people real lies staying true blue to the format of the podcast being very open very vulnerable and talking about experiences testimony and faith and how we've utilized the gospel to work through these challenges the ups and downs just that naturally come living in this world and having this experience and this proving ground And, uh, you know, after the Refiner's Fire episode and talking a little bit about the purpose of coming here um, as we are consecrated through our choices and decisions and the experiences that we're given. And um, that way we may be presented to God, our Father, on that wonderful day of reporting home and um, looking forward to living with him once again. So thanks again for joining us. We love having you. We always get wonderful feedback. So much appreciate your support. And I just love doing this podcast. I've mentioned time and time again how on Thursdays my life tends to just kind of blow up. I've had long days and today is no different. I just got home from being out of town about an hour ago. And um, just trying to really put everything to the side. A wonderful family trip. But, you know, with family we always have things that we're dealing with. And I'm just trying to kind of unload my brain and focus on the purpose of this episode. And the topic today is on fatherhood. You men are good enough and we need you. Don't ever forget that. There are so many different roles and ways that the men in the gospel of Jesus Christ can be pivotal, so important in the youth's lives, uh, both, you know, young women and young men in various different roles. Of course, we have the typical role of father, uh, one who is providing and protecting, who is there for his family, who goes to work and then comes home and, um, you know, the next thing you know, he's the horse that the kid's riding on and then he's having to help them with homework and then you know, help with dinner and do dishes and just pushing through and every situation is so different. We live in a time in this dispensation where we have many unique situations that are not traditional and I just want to thank all the guys out there that are listening, all the men that just do the best they can to be wonderful mentors, to give of your time, to open yourself up to share your wisdom and your counsel and your experience and to share of yourself most importantly 
with the youth of today, whether it's as a father, stepfather, an uncle, um, you know, maybe even an older brother, if there's a huge age gap, you know, there's just many different ways that you can really make a huge impact. And I know I see it in the church all the time. We have wonderful elders and brothers who are teachers or working in the youth programs who take it very, very seriously and have been wonderful mentors to the young men and women in the church. And I'm sure within their own community, as I've observed, in their own sphere. And we thank you and we invite you to do more. We need it. And there are many reasons why we need fathers. Mothers are so important. Um, definitely, we need moms who demonstrate love, compassion, empathy, strength, forgiveness, the ability to wear multiple hats for their children. But we need the fathers too. The fathers are just as important. Their influence, their talents, their spiritual talents, their ability to persuade, to teach, um, to lead in their own birthright male God-given way. It is the coming together of man and woman influences that really benefits the youth of today. So again, it's in unusual, unique circumstances that we can have many wonderful blessings, as I had mentioned, uh, with this bishop who really became somewhat of a savior for me. Um, you know, I could hit that release on the steam or the frustration that was building inside me as, you know, a young teenager. And he helped guide that frustration and oftentimes even anger. I, I couldn't even process my feelings to even know what to do or how to handle it. And this bishop gave me so much of his time. God bless him for it. And you know what? He's got a wonderful family too. I'm just so grateful for his influence in my life. So again, there's many different roles and whatever role you guys that you are satisfying for the youth of today who need you, who want you, whether or not they know it, thank you for all that you do. I had a um, wonderful older gentleman who was in our ward and he actually knew me uh, growing up. Uh, in my hometown of Fresno and he just was a fun-loving guy very uh, bubbly and outgoing um, and he had a beautiful family himself but I know that they had their own issues and yet he still gave up so much of his time to the members the children especially in the ward and the stake and he would always go out of his way to come over to my house when my boys were growing up, we were very inactive. Sometimes we would get involved, sometimes we weren't. But this brother who I will never forget and I will always cherish his service, his faith, and his ministering, that's what it was. He was ministering to us and not even talking to us about the gospel. And he taught us, me and my boys, so much about being thoughtful you know, looking beyond yourself and how you can have an impact on others around you. And so he used to dress up around Christmas time as Santa and drop by our house and he would have, um, you know, little candy gifts or things that maybe his wife, who was an excellent baker, 
uh, she would make and he would come in the kids would sit on his lap they would talk and he could really get he just had this great talent to get the boys to open up and um, just get them excited about Christmas and the holiday season but also have a wonderful spiritual message about Jesus Christ and you know I will never forget his impact on my family um, you know, another wonderful addition to my life has been um, my boy's grandfather. Now, he was the stepdad of my first husband, so he was not blood related to my sons, but my boys didn't know that until they were teenagers and their grandfather actually passed away. They had grown up with him and nobody ever talked about the fact that he was uh, my first husband's stepdad. And so they, he was such... A wonderful grandfather he was very attentive he gave up his time he would take them out and he would do projects with them you know he showed them how to maintain the swimming pool how to fix and repair sprinklers how to cover the grass I mean he just he did a lot he liked to tinker around in his garage and he loved it when the kids would come out no matter what age and he would take them under his wing and show them how to build things he owned a company so as the boys got older in junior high and high school uh, after school they went over to their grandfather's business and they they got to work and they earned some money and he was a very good example of a wonderful work ethic of working hard but most of all um, just pure love pure love for these two boys who were stuck in this mess because of the adults in their lives, myself and their father and the decisions that we were making and the things that we were doing. And this man really stepped up to the plate and my boys to this day have wonderful memories of him. As a matter of fact, my son is getting ready to have a baby the next six months with his girlfriend and um, they're probably going to name the baby if it's a boy after the grandfather and I think that's a wonderful tribute and a wonderful way to memorialize him and I'm really grateful for all that he's done for my boys and here's the catch he never liked me he didn't like me from the beginning and he was never nice to me he was never kind to me and uh, that always bothered me it was really hard to be around him because he was very blatant about it but as the years passed on you know, I truly saw how much he loved my sons and how he tried to be such a wonderful grandfather. He was just, he would just spoil the heck out of them, but he would also teach them real life principles and lessons and things that were super important. And as the kids got older, I just recognized that. And you know what? All of the resentment that I held for him just washed away. Um, I just really appreciated all that he did for my kids and how he treated me just didn't bother me anymore But it did get better over time and I really appreciated that um, In my family my younger brother he is If I had to sum him up he is probably one of the most loving people that I have known in my life He's a tremendous blessing to our family He is funny as all heck his humor borders on the crude side, but you know what? He is uh, just funny. Um, we've had to learn to accept the differences in our family of, you know, each of us because, for instance, he's not involved in the gospel. He loves the church and he knows that the church is the church of Jesus Christ. 
Um, but you know, he's just living a life right now where he's not willing to make the changes that he needs to, to come unto him and really be all in. However, he does really embrace it in his own way. And you know, I so much appreciate his faith. Um, when I had my first son, he was, my younger brother was 13. And at that time, I think after the first year, I had moved back home. I was 20 years old and I needed some help with my son and my situation. And my younger son was actually sleeping in the same room as my younger brother who was 13 and he was in high school and he was going to school. But he got up every night that my son, he wouldn't even come and wake me up. Um, he would get up with my son when he would wake up crying and, you know, need one of us. If he had a dirty diaper or whatever, he would change the diaper and put him back to sleep. Oftentimes he would just bring him in the bed with him and, uh, you know, he's always been super close with them. He's not really an uncle. He's more like a father figure to them and he's very very loving they're 25 and 27 now and my brother still treats them as if they're little boys and you know just one of the examples is I was visiting family uh, this last week and we were watching a movie last night and my younger son took my younger brother's chair and um Actually, it was my brother that took the chair. It's, the, it's our favorite recliner. Everybody loves it. It's so comfortable. And so we always try to hurry up and get it before anybody else gets it. And so my younger son was coming back into the room. And he looks at my brother, his uncle. And Aaron looks at him and says, you know what the password is. What's the password? And my 25-year-old son says loves and kisses. It just cracked me up because they're willing to do basically anything for my brother and that's because my younger brother Aaron has been so just loving and he's embraced them he's accepted them for who they are he loves them unconditionally he is there for them through thick and thin and he just adores them and they have given that love back to him tenfold and there was a time that I was a single mom for you know a number of years and I really appreciated you know the time that he took to get involved with um, my sons because they needed it they really desperately needed a good positive male role model figure in their life that was loving and could teach them that you know to be a strong man you can be rough and tough and go out and do all these you know manly things but you can also be engaged and and connected with your feelings and your emotions and express those as well you know the relationship's not perfect they argue honestly like brothers and it cracks me up um, and sometimes they'll go a while without talking to each other but they always end up coming back together because eventually they either A, just move on, or B, somebody comes to the other, they apologize, they talk it out, and then everything's settled, and we move on. And I'm grateful for my younger brother who takes the time to be involved in their lives. And you know what, it's a very untraditional, my family is just untraditional in general, um, it's a very untraditional relationship, at least in my experience, when I grew up with my uncles, you know, they all lived in different cities, and when I saw them, they weren't very warm and friendly, and um, it's not really anything that was their fault, it's just, 
you know, it's just the way it was. And I really appreciate my brother um, going out of his way to be a wonderful uncle. And the boys have really needed him. So again, I just really want to kind of reinforce how important the men are. Uh, you know, we need them in whatever role they come in uh, to be able to really make an impact on the youth of today. Um, there is actually a talk that I wanted to share and it's called Elephants, Fathers and Families. And this was given in September 2018. It was a talk given by uh, Sarah Keenan. And she starts off saying that every father has a divine role in raising his children in truth and righteousness. And she goes on to talk about um, this game reserve in South Africa. They were faced with a growing elephant problem, and this was about 40 years ago. The population of the African elephants had grown larger than the park could handle. It was just too much, and there was no way for the large adult elephants to be relocated. Um, each of those adult elephants weighed about 6,600 pounds, and the adult bulls weighed 13,000 pounds. I mean, these are massive animals, so they just could not... Um, find a simple solution so they th you know it was determined amongst the people there uh, that worked there that only the young elephants would be moved to another reserve so they moved the younger elephants to another reserve and some of the adult elephants would be culled to control the population and they thought that the problem was solved or so it seemed Interestingly enough, 20 years later, the rangers at the other game reserve began to notice that some of the animals living at the reserve were being injured or killed. And they truly thought that it may be poachers. So the rangers placed some hidden cameras around the reserve to find the culprit. And they discovered that it actually was not poachers uh, that was killing these animals, but it was actually the juvenile elephants. It was found through the observation um, by putting these cameras out in the reserve that the young males were abnormally aggressive. They were terrorizing the other animals in the park and charging humans and tourist vehicles. Uh, the rangers ultimately kind of concluded that the cause of the elephant's unusual and very troubling behavior was the lack of a role model, in particular, a father. Um, in normal circumstances, the bull elephants would model behavior for their young, helping them to understand how an elephant was supposed to act. Uh, but without that guidance, the young elephants became violent and uncontrollable. So, of course, the elephants and, you know, people are different. We know that. But this account does kind of highlight an important gospel principle. How important the father is being a cornerstone of the family a vital cornerstone of the family. and the family, a proclamation to the world, it states, husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for each other and for their children. Fathers in particular have the responsibility to preside over their families in love and righteousness and provide the necessities of life and protection for their families. So they work together as equal partners with their wives. And this union which is, of course, divine, is ordained of God and provides an environment where parents can rear their children in love and righteousness, provide for their physical and spiritual needs, and teach them to love and serve one another, observe the commandments of God, and be law-abiding citizens. 
There's been multiple prophets and apostles that have commented on the importance of fathers before. Um, I love President Faust and President James E. Faust, who uh, was the second counselor in the first presidency. He said, quote, noble fatherhood gives us a glimpse of the divine attributes of our father in heaven, end quote. It's very telling. I mean, this is a wonderful divine opportunity for the men of the world. Uh, President Ezra Taft Benson declared, quote, a father's calling is eternal and its importance transcends time, end quote. I mean, really take that in. Just take a moment to soak that up and really what, think about that. What does that mean? A father's calling is eternal and its importance transcends time. Noble fatherhood gives us a glimpse of the divine attributes of our Father in Heaven. I mean, these are important teachings, and this is how important the men are. Whether you're in a traditional father role or untraditional father role, we need you guys. And I promise you, you're enough. You're enough. President Ezra Taft Benson also said, you have a serious responsibility to assume leadership in working with your children. You must help create a home where the Spirit of the Lord can abide. End quote. You know, I do see this happening. I know many wonderful men in our stake who work so hard at this. And I just love their example. I love how hard they work at it, uh, the sacrifices that they make, the service that they give to our children. I'm just so touched by their willingness to be actively engaged and involved with the children of their stake or ward. And um, I just thank you. Just thank you for all that you do. In this article, it goes on to talk about, you know, some of society's problems could be reduced if fathers would seek to turn their hearts of their children to Heavenly Father to teach by their example the basic principles of faith, obedience, respect, and fidelity. I see this all the time in our ward. So grateful to these men who take their calling seriously. A father's example is particularly important in inspiring sons to be active and worthy priesthood holders. You know, most sons want to be like their fathers, and they watch them. They watch them very closely, and they learn from them. Being a great example of uh, being a priesthood holder and exercising that priesthood, being worthy of that, is absolutely huge because we need you guys. We need worthy men to hold the power and the authority and the government of heaven here on earth, which is the priesthood. And, um, you know, I would, I definitely would take that very seriously. And I'm sure you guys do, um, you know, how important that is. I have several nephews in my family who, um, you know, don't necessarily have fathers that are in the gospel. And so it's the ones that uh, choose to engage and be there for them, to encourage them, to support them and to give of their time that are so important to us. And we're so grateful to them. Uh, consider the power and the powerful influence a father can have in teaching his son the purpose of the priesthood and what it means to righteously exercise it. The nature and importance of priesthood blessings, covenants, and callings become clearer to young men as their fathers guide and teach them. So very important. Thank you for all you guys do. 
And please do not be hard on yourselves. There's always going to be room for improvement. Just recognize it. Just do the best you can. And thank you so much for all of your efforts. Fathers are definitely role models for their daughters as well. Um, you know, my dad was too. And I really appreciate everything that my dad did. I mean, he, his story, you know, we all have tough, rewarding, joyful stories. And my dad is no different. And I'm grateful for all of his hard work. Elaine S. Dalton, who was the Young Women General President um, at one time, had shared and advised fathers. She says, you are your daughter's guardian in more than the legal sense. Be present in your daughter's life. Let her know your standards, your expectations, your hopes and dreams for her success and happiness. Help her understand the importance of education. Help her understand that the principle of modesty is a protection. Help her to choose music and media that invite the spirit and are consistent with her divine identity. Be an active part of her life. My dad did this for me imperfectly, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dad. I love you so much. It goes on to say um, in this article, Elephants, Fathers, and Families, Our Heavenly Father has set a high standard for fatherhood, one that all fathers and father figures will fall short of in this life because fatherhood is difficult. It is very difficult. It exposes faults, weaknesses, and requires sacrifice. But as fathers show love to their families and teach their children the gospel and follow the example that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ have set before them, they can give their children the key to peace in this life and eternal life in the world to come. They can become a cornerstone of strength within their families and an example of righteousness for their posterity. They can become worthy of the divine title of Father. The importance of fathers does not diminish the critical role that mothers play in the family, especially in fatherless homes. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland has noted that no love and mortality comes closer to approximating the pure love of Jesus Christ and the selfless love of a devoted mother has for her child. And President Gordon B. Hinckley declared that none other can adequately take a mother's place. Just as much as their husbands, mothers are role models to their children and have a great influence on their children's well-being, testimony, and overall happiness. I wanted to share that because I know that there's a lot of moms out there who are single parents. I know that there are a lot of dads out there who are single parents. Just remember, one step at a time, take little bites and know how much you are appreciated. Your efforts are being rewarded and they are definitely being seen. There's a wonderful talk by Anastasia Cole, and she, it's titled, it was actually given in March of this year, and it's titled, The Father I Never Knew I Would Have. And she kind of shares a little bit about her story, and unfortunately, her story is, you know, it's just challenging and filled with hardships, just like we all have these stories. And she talks about how her father one morning um, left 
that her sister was born and he decided that fatherhood was just too much for him. The burden was greater than he could bear. And he explained to her that it was temporary, but she said that she could tell just by looking in his face that this was not going to be a temporary situation, but she had held out hope. So on her sixth birthday, um, her father had called and said he was going to come visit her and she was ecstatic. She was so excited that he was coming and making time for her. So she asked her mom to curl her hair. She put on a new outfit that her grandparents had bought her. Um, she strapped on her knee pads and helmet and she sat outside waiting for him because her mom had just gotten her this really cool bike. It was the first bike without training wheels and she couldn't wait for her dad to teach her how to ride it. She sat and waited and waited and waited and unfortunately he never showed. Uh, after a few hours had passed, her mom had called her inside and she just looked at her mom and she knew that her dad wasn't coming and that she would never see her dad again. And from that day forward, she really dreaded Father's Day. Every year, she would listen to her friends talk about, you know, and pay tribute to their fathers. And she couldn't help but feel cheated. No matter how many years had passed, Father's Day felt like salt poured onto her wounded heart. Her father's absence had a profound effect on the way that she viewed herself, and throughout her life she often wondered if she was the reason that he had left, and that made it her doubt that made her doubt her worth. Time and time again she'd ask herself if he doesn't love her, who will? And for years those feelings just ate at her. Um, every time that she'd see what seemed to be a perfect family at church or school, she would remember how broken her family was. Um, she says, although I was born into the church, my mom became inactive soon after I was baptized. So by the time I was able to really understand the statement that I am a child of God, it was too late. I felt I would never belong no matter how desperately I wanted to. And so, wonderful Anastasia hit her knees. Heavenly Father, are you really there? When she was about 18, her boyfriend, who is her husband now, began learning about the church. And she hesitantly started attending the local ward with him. Um, on one of their first Sundays, the bishop announced the schedule for the primary program. And she just, her heart swelled. She was very looking forward to watching the children, you know, just shuffle up there in front of the chapel. And in less than one minute, they were lined up and delivered the first lines of a child's prayer. Heavenly Father, are you really there? And do you hear and answer every child's prayer? As they sang each word, it pierced her heart. Anastasia, for a moment, she felt like she was the only one in the congregation, like the words were written just for her. And the primary children continued, Pray he is there, speak he is listening. You are his child, his love now surrounds you. Tears streamed down Anastasia's face. She pushed against what she was feeling, a longing for her father, a longing for a father. And the walls that she had built around her heart for years were strong and that song quickly broke them down. By the time the program was finished, Anastasia says that she knew what she needed to do and that was seek a witness of Heavenly Father's love for her. 
So when she got home that night, she knelt awkwardly in prayer for the first time in many, many years, and she poured out her heart to Heavenly Father. With tears and a trembling voice, Anastasia built up enough courage and asked, Heavenly Father, am I really your daughter? Almost immediately, warmth flooded my body, and I heard these words in my mind. Anastasia says, of course you are. Nothing will ever change that. Anastasia asked in prayer, If Heavenly Father, am I really your daughter? And she heard in her mind the words, Of course you are. Nothing will ever change that. Personalize this. We all have different situations. We all have opportunities that were given to have good male influences in our life, but I want you to know that with the circumstances of today, I know and I realize that there are a lot of people out there who have, uh, you know, losses, who have empty holes and roles in their life of men that they just missed out on for whatever reason, but know that your Heavenly Father is there and He loves you. Anastasia goes on to talk about the months that followed that she began taking the missionary lessons with her boyfriend and decided to go back to church, that she wrestled with some really tough questions and tried to change old feelings and doubts resurfaced, and sometimes she'd wonder, why am I even trying? This is so hard. In those moments, remembering his answer gave her the confidence and strength that she needed to push forward. And for the first time in Anastasia's life, she knew that she was a daughter of God. She recognized her divine identity, and nothing could take that away from her, not even the persistent feeling that she would never belong. So slowly but surely, she learned to turn to Heavenly Father and to put her trust in Him, to be believing. And through the healing power of the Savior's atonement, she took the first step on the journey of repentance and forgiveness and in doing so, she made room in her heart for the father that she always wanted, but never knew that she would have. She literally and truthfully thought it was impossible, but Heavenly Father's love and patience showed her that she could be forgiven, that she could also forgive her earthly father who left her all those years ago. She goes on to say that it's been five years since the day that she walked into the chapel and heard the angelic children's chorus sing a child's prayer. And in that time, Heavenly Father has shown her who she is and who he knows that she can become one day at a time. She goes on to say that if she could go back and tell that young, confused little girl circling the block on her bike that it isn't her fault that her father used his agency to leave, and while she will undoubtedly feel the pain of his absence, she must never forget whose child she is. She may not have been able to go to daddy-daughter dances at school, um, but she was able to ask the ward missionaries for priesthood blessings. Her father in heaven would always be there for her. He will watch over her as she teaches herself to ride a bike, he will stretch out his hand to help her up every time that she falls. And he promises, Doctrine and Covenants, section 84, verse 88, I will be on your right hand and on your left, and my spirit shall be in your hearts and mine angels round about you to bear you up. 
no matter where Anastasia goes, no matter what choices she makes, Father in Heaven will always be there waiting for her to grab his hand again and will be ready to welcome her back home. He created her, he loves her, and he knows her by name because she is his. She is a daughter of God. This story is so touching and it's so powerful. And it just goes to show that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can find the healing that happens, that needs to happen when we have important role models and figures in our life that just aren't there for whatever reason, that we can find healing and all the answers that we need through the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Quorum of the Twelve Apostles says, Of all the titles of respect and honor and admiration that are given to deity, he has asked us to address him as Father. We know that he is God. We know he's omniscient. He's perfect. We know that we look like him. We know that he is majestic. He is all what I mean, he is everything. He's all loving. He's all patient, long suffering, and he loves us with if you can just take that one example that you have in your life of the greatest love you've ever experienced that and try to multiply that by one million trillion gazillion that still does not touch the amount of love that Heavenly Father has for you. So some examples of blessings of fathers in the scriptures. We have Alma that prayed for the awakening of his son to all truth. Alma who used his faith, his belief, and his trust in God and his Savior Jesus Christ to pray for his son. And look at what happened. Alma Jr. was awakened from the dark fog that he lived in. Nephi was taught in all the learning of my father. 1 Nephi 1.1 It's when we, the men take the time to teach the children to be active in their lives that wonderful miracles happen. These children thirst for the love and the compassion and the direction and the mentorship that you righteous men can give them. So when you see a youth in your ward, in your community, your neighborhood, in your sphere, whether they be related to you or not, please do not listen to sometimes the negative voices that can really assault us and make us feel like we are never qualified enough to be what they need us to be. All we need to do is have a willing heart is to trust the Lord and to act and do. And the Savior will always qualify you and he will always make up the difference. And it's through that beautiful union that miracles happen. We appreciate you. We love you. And we are so grateful for your many sacrifices and all that you do for the people in your lives 
I wanted to make this episode today to pay tribute to the men that give of themselves, that do the best they can. We are not given manuals on how to do this. Some of us don't even have good examples in our life on how to do this. And, you know, I appreciate you. We all appreciate you taking the time to figure it out, to give of yourself, to put the time in, to pray about it, to live a worthy, faithful life that you can be guided by the Spirit of God and for sharing your talents, especially your spiritual talents, for your mentorship, for your example, and for your love. As always, thank you for joining us this week. It is such a pleasure to be with you all. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay faithful, and remember to be kind for everyone you meet is truly fighting a hard battle. Take care and God bless. And until next week. You have just listened to LDS Real People Real Lives podcast. Please don't forget to write a review. Leave us a comment on your favorite podcast listening platform. When you do this, people can find us. We appreciate your support. Thank you for the love. And thanks for tuning in. God bless.